You're listening to the Popzara Podcast. <laughs> it's the movie time Halloween special. <laughs> It almost sounds like you're dying. Welcome back to the Movie Time Pop Zara Podcast Special. Whatever we're calling it, this is part two, the sequel. Sequel's always better than the first one. And if you haven't heard the first one, this is our annual Halloween Spectacular or Spooktacular, if you're like that. Episode one, we talked about the best horror remakes of the 1980s. We talked about The Thing. We talked about The Fly. We talked about The Blob. We sounded like professors who needed drinks. But instead, this time we're going to loosen it up. We're going to be talking about everything else because no one wants to listen to a three-hour podcast. So we broke it up so you can listen in bites, and it's going to sound a lot nicer when it's separate. And for that, for this special edition of the Halloween 2021 Movie Time Podcast, we have frequent podcast host Ethan Brem. Ethan, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. He's never left. Look how excited he is. It's so, <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so buoyant. And... Also returning yeah. is Christian Sterling. Welcome, Christian, back. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Look at that. He's right there. And finally, but not least, we have Pop Zara's senior gaming editor, Mr. Corey Ghoulish Man Gallagher. Corey, welcome back. Gallagher, but yes. Thank you for having me. He's a ghoul, like G for ghoulies. Have you ever seen ghoulies? <laughs> That's not on my list. I, I do sure. recall that time. being like a spooky-looking videotape at the rental store. Yeah, that's that's the one where the creature's coming out of the toilet. Yeah. Yeah, and a little Classic. bald... Yeah, with the teeth. Not to be confused with um, the critters, and not to be confused with Ooh, the munchies. Yeah, is it before or after critters? Oh, uh, not cool. not good. Christian, you and I were talking about this a while ago. I think it goes gremlins, critters, ghoulies, munchies. I don't okay. know. I, it's hard to keep these in track because they get worse. They get much chronologically much worse. or or quality wise. Both. I Both, think, yeah. yeah, Munchies is the one where the creature's like smoking a cigar, drinking a beer, and staring up a woman's dress. Yeah, yeah that it, one actually looks like it's supposed to be a gremlin, maybe. It might be. It's, but they... Yeah, I'll just say this. I don't think any of those movies are going to make our list today. So that being said, so the format is, uh, in the first part, we talked about the best horror remakes. We were very, very fun and flippant. This time, each of us, each editor is going to pick a few movies that they think you should watch for whatever reasons that they deem necessary. It could be anything. Uh, we're going to try to keep the list down between three and five. If you want to go under, you want to go over, that's totally cool. But let's keep it narrowed down. We'll keep things keep things banging out. So with that, let's get right to it. Let's start with Ethan Bram. Ethan, tell us what movies you want. Hey. First, let's give us a list. So what, do we, what movies did you pick? All right, so I picked uh, 1927 Silent Classic by Universal, The Cat and the Canary. Um, and then uh, I, d- I did want to touch upon a 1986 Gene Wilder directed movie called Haunted Honeymoon. Ooh, I saw that. And then I'm, yeah, you've seen that one, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then and then I'm going to go to one of my favorite uh, horror movies, uh, 1991's Popcorn. Mm-hmm. I did want to touch upon Trick or Treat from 2007, and then a new movie that came out this year called Vicious Fun. Um, I think it was a Shutter original, I, I believe, but it's a good movie. Okay. And so those are my my five. Just touching the last two, just kind of touching upon real quick because there's not. I mean, I think a lot of people have seen Trick or Treat, but well, I really don't think many people have seen The Cat and the Canary. Let's make the case. No. So, so let's start. Let's start from the twenties. 
Yeah, let's do it in order. Um, so uh, it wasn't technically the first horror comedy. Um, and actually, the term horror wasn't even really used till the 30s with like the early 30s, like Frankenstein, Dracula in movies, at least. Uh, but it was one of the first and easily the first to be popular enough to influence everything that came afterwards. Um, it, it was like uh, took place in in an old dark house, uh, which is what they kind of call these kind of movies now. <clears throat> it's about a woman who, uh, it's about a group of people who go to um, see who inherits the estate of this old rich dude who died. Um, and the mansion's said to be haunted by this guy who died. And um, it turns out that this young woman uh, is the one who inherits everything. And um, so the the rest of the movie, she gets uh, stalked by a clawed creature and um, is the canary to this killer called the cat. And uh, we're trying to figure out why he's trying to kill her and if it's a ghost or if it's not a ghost. It's it's a whodunit, obviously. I mean, you have a, a cast of characters in this house, which was kind of one of the first ones to do that. And uh, the reason why I say kind of is because it's a lot of the movies that were before it, which there are maybe five or six horror comedies they're really kind of hard to track down and some of them are even considered lost movies a lot of the silent movies are are considered lost and the ones that aren't are, are hard to find so maybe even the very fact that the cat and the canary is so easy to find kind of proves its impact because people really wanted to make a a, a way to preserve this movie and and this movie influenced a lot and we're seeing the resonance even still today with not, like knives out and then scooby-doo house of haunted hill clue um this trope of the haunted house, but like with this comedic tinge and even haunted honeymoon is, is that I'm going to talk about that also has these elements. I mean, there's dozens upon dozens. And I really think that the horror comedy attached to the haunted house is because of this movie and the way it was and this movie itself has been remade uh, a few times, five times, I think. And then also there's the tone during an era when horror wasn't a word, like I said, you know, you have this comedic element, but you, I mean, some of the stuff in this movie is scarier than any movie I've seen for the next 10 or 15 years that came after this. I mean, this movie is actually truly chilling and there's some awesome atmospheric stuff going on with like, you know, the haunted house and, and it's, it's a silent film. So, I mean, you have um, a lot of these kills. It's just, it's simply just a woman standing there and a claw coming out from nowhere, like unprovoked, like you don't see it coming and even watching it, just recently i mean i'm still i still get goosebumps when i watch this movie it's just really good it holds up almost 100 years later i think i don't know if probably none of you guys have seen this one but it's definitely worth a watch i think no i haven't i haven't seen it have anybody else uh no i've not seen this one i haven't seen it either no uh i don't know if you could see my screen uh i we share screen sometimes here but a little spoiler uh but i'm looking at the box cover to nightmare on elm street and i'm looking from a screen grab and it's it's almost the same when you have the the clawed yeah. hand coming out from the back over the sleeping girl's face, and it's very similar. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and and this was also it. We and people always talk about Black Christmas as being one of the first movies in the 1974 to be to show the killer's POV. You know, you're watching the killer walk, but this movie actually does that. And I, I just don't. It's kind of surprising to me that people don't talk about this movie more uh, when it comes to even just slasher influences. Um, but it's really a um, historians obviously. You know, like I said, a lot of these movies are lost, but a lot of people say that this was the original, earliest form of slasher, of a slasher movie. So, well, kind of cool. Well, here's the thing: it is a movie from the 20s. It is silent. Um, the Wikipedia page uh, makes it sound very, very interesting. It says it's the product of German expressionism, which is always what kids want to see in horror: German expressionism. <laughs> so, 
it, yeah. this movie is clearly influential to a lot of people who make horror. So even if they haven't seen the film, Ethan, they've probably seen elements of it, like like the Blob, like it's digested and and circulated throughout the other films. Yeah, yeah, definitely so, worth watching. I think. All Any right. Any horror horror so, fan. So let's talk about the next one. Me still? Oh yeah, let's get you out of the way. Okay. Chop chop. Oh, I don't know if you want to do Round Robin. Okay. Yeah. So the next one I was going to talk about is Haunted Honeymoon, which uh, directed by by Gene Wilder, and um, he famously, uh, the movie's kind of infamous, but he famously uh, back then said, it's black and white, but in color, and I think he hit the nail on the head. Um, the cast is super impressive. I mean, you got Dom DeLuise on top of Gilda Radner, not literally, but um, Gilda, <laughs> Gilda Radner, and uh, I'm trying to think of who played the, um, and obviously Gene Wilder's in it too. You got some other familiar faces, Um but it was a critical and commercial failure. Uh, but it's super atmospheric, and it has this weird way of operating where it kind of concerns itself less with being grounded in like a natural story or in, in typical conventions. But he focuses Gene Wilder focuses more on kind of the moods of these '30s horror classics and uh, just the haunted house element with cobwebs and. More than anything, and I, I love Scooby-Doo, this is the most similar to a live-action version of Scooby-Doo than I think I might have ever seen, just as far as the the tone of it. And then the ending is so bizarre. It's definitely a divisive movie, and I think most people will not like it, But um, and, and it's by no means a, a great film, but I think it's definitely worth watching just as um, for the atmosphere alone, just during, especially during like the Halloween time. I think a lot of people get this movie confused with like Transylvania five. Is it five thousand? You know, six five thousand. Six yeah, five thousand. Sure. Yeah, or I think there's another one called Saturday the Fourteenth Strikes Back. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yeah, both of those. Yeah, there's two Saturday the Fourteenth, or even like uh, yeah, or uh, High High Spirits is another one that I've heard it compared to. Now with Steve Gutenberg. I'll say the Scooby Doo gang. Ethan likes to pick out films that a lot of people haven't seen before because he's sort of a film buff. I'm I'm almost scared to ask if. Either Christian or Corey, you've seen <laughs> Haunted Honeymoon? I've seen it like four times, man. No, you've I haven't seen, seen it. No, four times. <laughs> no, I was going to say, no way. <laughs> well, what about you, Corey? <laughs> uh, no, no, I haven't seen this one. So, yeah, uh, it, 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 the opening scene is kind of cool. It's, it's about, it sets at a, at a radio show, and Gene Wilder and Gilda Radner are voice actors. And it's a horror radio show. And, um, and, it, and so the first scene is really actually the best part of the movie, in my opinion. Um, just storytelling wise, where you get to see the ins and outs of making one of these old old timey radio shows, which is kind of cool. But that sounds pretty um, cool. Yeah, it's definitely Absolutely. yeah, it's definitely a cool a cool watch. It's weird, and and I think all all of my movies that I've picked, uh, except for Trick or Treat, I think all have that like a Scooby Doo element where you think it's something supernatural, but there's a little bit more of a realistic explanation for it. Um, which is uh, cool. gotcha. it's, uh, yeah. I haven't seen this movie in years. I was a big fan of Gene Wilder, of course, and I like Gilda Radner, R.I.P., both mm-hmm. of them, by the way. But I remember yeah. the comedy styling of this was different than I expected, and I'm not sure if that would change if I watched it again. I think it's definitely it definitely for a very specific audience. But I think if you are that audience who's, you know, like you've seen Young Frankenstein, right? Mm-hmm. One thing I forgot to mention, like in our last podcast, we were talking about The Fly, and I think we all like The Fly, but one thing I forgot to mention, but it's it's just insane when you hear it, is The Fly was produced by Mel Brooks, right? 
And Mel Brooks is the one who came up with the tagline for that movie. You know, be afraid, be very afraid, which is yeah. you know, iconic, which we never even mentioned. But when you look at um, Young Frankenstein, which is supposed to be, you know, a comedy, but it's also like a horror film. You know, it's not for everybody. Like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hard mm-hmm. mix to get. It's very hard formula to nail down, even, even when you're someone like Mel Brooks. Yeah. Yeah, Young Frankenstein is definitely the better of these two movies. Um, Gene Wilder uh, obviously, you know, went to the school of comedy of Mel Brooks, and he for sure uses those stylings in this movie. You know, mixed results again, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fun movie. I mean, it's 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 definitely has some cl- really clunky aspects to it. But I just wanted to bring it up because I thought it's a, a more obscure '80s horror comedy, um, and it's kind of fun. So, well. You know, my final thought about it is is that it's it reminds me of the Dan Aykroyd film again, his directorial debut, and I think only movie he ever directed, uh, Nothing But Trouble. Did you have you mm-hmm. has anybody ever seen Nothing But Trouble? No, I've, I I know the the imagery from it though. The imagery you've, to, you've talked about, <laughs> Christian. Have you yeah, ever I've, seen uh, you ever seen Nothing But Trouble? Dan Aykroyd. I haven't seen it, but you've told me about it. See, has anybody ever, okay? Has anybody seen it where I haven't <laughs> told them about it? So, Corey, have you seen Nothing But Trouble? Uh, I have not seen that one, no. Okay. Um, you guys are all in for a treat. Um, it's considered one of the oh, worst yeah. no, movies ever see. made. It's considered terrible. Everybody everybody hates this movie, but they can't stop talking about it. Uh, I don't know. It's it's. I don't, I don't even want to get into it. It's a different podcast. But it's like Haunted Halloween, Ethan. I think it's just – it's got its own vibe. And you're either yeah. into it or you're not into it. Yeah, and that's and that's respectable about um, this movie too. Is is Gene Wilder did not compromise his vision. He's like, I'm making this movie how I want to make it, and he did, and it's exactly how he wanted to make it. And um, I think that's really respectable, even if you don't like the movie. Exactly. Um, and also, it's cool just to see Gilda Radner in something other than movie, uh, was it, it the Woman in Red? Is it her last movie? Uh, I think the Woman in Red might have been her last. The, I think that came next. Yeah, or no, that was first. That was first. Is it? Yeah, the Woman in Red was pretty um, good. I, re- I, I remember liking that. But um, yeah, um, this might be yeah because she died in '89, so I think maybe she had one more. She did not do a lot of movies. I think she had like four movies, and they were all with Gene Wilder. Yeah, um, which is interesting. Yeah, it's funny back then. Uh, female comedic actresses, I don't think they knew how to use them, um, and that's why you have a lot of like Carol Kane's and um, Madeline Kahn's who are amazing in their movies, but they're always just really small roles. Um, and it's funny and it wasn't until I don't think like the, not even maybe the nineties, maybe even after that, where they really kind of knew how to have people knew how to make roles for comedic roles for women. I can't even think of like a female led comedy before like the two thousands. I mean, I'm sure there were, but I just can't think of any. I mean, there's, there's like nine to five, you know, there's some, there's some other ones. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And don't forget the best female comedy of all time. Tootsie. You know, the lead actress is amazing. In that <laughs> She's so good. Dustin Hoffman. What? Dustin what? Hoffman. What are you telling me? That's a, su- that's a surprise. I didn't know that. Um, all right. Well, moving on from Haunted Halloween. So next on your list. Yeah. So the next one is is one of my, is my favorite on this list, I think. It's called Popcorn. And um, it's uh, it's something else, man. Uh, I don't know. Have any of you guys seen Popcorn? No. Uh, nope. But they have a making of this movie I, I saw out there. Yeah, and I haven't seen it because it's on the DVD and I don't have this on DVD. And I, I want to see it so badly because um, it's so weird that they have a making of. 
Um, but this is one of those movies that like the director and the writer did like nothing else. Uh, I think the writer actually um, he did some other stuff on TV. I want to say, um, but as far as feature films, night there was two directors and one of them got canned. And it's the same guy, the guy who wrote the script was the original director, and then he got fired for this other guy who also has never directed like anything else or hardly anything else. Um, and it's so weird. So it's it's about this group of film students. And they put on a B-movie film festival in the vein of William Castle with, like, the cheesy effects in, in theaters. You know, you get the, the shocks under the, the movies, uh, under the theater seats or, uh, you know, things flying into the audience uh, or uh, I'm trying to think of another one that he uses. But, but they use, like, cheesy effects uh, or smell. Yeah, there's uh, odor, Odorama or whatever it's called where they fill the, the, the air with By weird the way, smells that you know match. What? They're trying to bring that stuff back. They, um, it's called. I think it's called 4D. When they start just, yeah, like hurting you in the theater, they move you around. They they knock you around. <laughs> like that stuff's terrible. Yeah, it, it, and it's it's so. It, if it's done in a cheesy way, I think it would be funny. But yeah, if it, if they're like abusing the audience, maybe not. But um, and and I think matinee, which came out a couple years after this Joe Dante's movie, yeah. I think kind of touches up on the William Castle thing too. Um, but this was first and. These people and and so anyway, so this these film students they they put on this little film festival and and it's they invite people to wear costumes to the theaters and this whole movie by the way is filmed in Jamaica and it has like an awesome reggae soundtrack which is feels so off the wall but it just works and uh, and so and so these this rowdy rambunctious crowd with these awesome costumes are just you know shouting at the TV, at the at the movie screen and during these three films within the film and and they actually filmed like three B movies, like mini short films to uh, intersperse throughout this, this, this framework of popcorn. And uh, one's called mosquito. It's about like a giant mosquito. And then next one's called the attack of the amazing electrified man. Who's uh, this guy who survived getting shocked on the chair. And uh, now he's like a, a villain or, you know, like a, a slasher. And then, so there's this amazing lore that goes under this. So, there was this old film cult back in like the sixties where this guy uh, made these short films that were experimental and all this stuff. And, and uh, he, he made this one movie called possessor and um, the grand finale of possessor uh, was him on stage for the premiere slaughtering his family uh, and killing them. And, and so, and then, and then uh, taking his own life as well. And so they find this, the film role of the possessor while they're cleaning out this old theater and getting everything ready and, uh, they watch it and then weird things start happening and around uh, to, to the people and the protagonist played by Jill Sholin, I think he pronounced it. She's in some other stuff too. Maggie. Um, cutting class. Yeah. Maggie cutting class with Brad Pitt. Um, she's in uh, another movie too. I can't place, but, uh, she has been having these dreams and, the she's watching this short film possessor and she's matching things up from her dreams to the short film and she's like wait what is happening and so you just kind of discover you know it's it's like a mini slasher movie but um they don't they don't do a parody of the slasher movie but they parody like these old b movies with with these uh 50s and 60s films that they play within films within the film so it's like an uh, i don't know if this makes sense it's it's kind of a confusing premise to explain but is it like it's an, uh, is it's it homage? a fascinating is it homage or like meta yeah it is it's 
it's it's more uh, the films within the film are an homage uh, slash uh, a little bit of parody, definitely parody. Um, but the movie itself with the slasher elements that the protagonist is going through, that is not um, an homage or or a parody. It's just a straight up slasher with some pretty cool twists and uh, some great lore. I think the mythology in this movie is really cool. Um and yeah, I mean, it, have you guys seen the? Have you guys seen Scream Two? Not in a yes. long time. Which is so a, the opening yeah. scene in Scream? Yeah, I'm not seeing that one. Hmm? The Scream? Not seeing that one now. Yeah, so the opening scene in Scream Two actually kind of, I think, took the idea from this movie uh, of this like slasher happening in a rowdy theater uh, and someone it's and them getting killed um, and no one thinking it was a real kill because everyone's just you know playing the part of these moviegoers uh and it's really and this movie's awesome it's just it's just a real celebration of just the movie going experience like we were talking about and and also just a tribute of these 50 era 50s era b movies um yeah it's just it's just it's it finds a familiarity enough to kind of comfort anyone who's just into cinema and and movies um but also it does uh, the way it handles its plot is so unique, and I can't even really think of anything that you can compare this to as far as the premise. Um, they, uh, yeah, I, I would recommend this more than any movie that that I'm talking about here. Uh, I think it's really fun, and no one, nobody, people seldom talk about this movie, Popcorn, um, from 1991. So it's go out, go out and watch it. It's got an audience. Like uh, people are like people are starting to talk about it. It's 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 finding something. I think it's because you've had like Wes Craven make his own version with like you said the Scream, but I think specifically Scream Three, which I think was was that the mm-hmm. one they were making the horror film and then the slasher was coming out killing yeah. people, but they didn't know it was yeah them. like a nightmare type. Of it. Yeah. yeah, and there was a Vincent Price movie like that as well, where Vincent Price played a slasher, but then a real slash. I forget that what it was called, like. It's an interesting concept that we don't really see a lot. Yeah, this is a movie that's almost begging to be a cult favorite. I mean, now thirty years later, so it might happen. Um, Every, I mean, it's got a making of. It's the first step. It's got fans. Yeah. So popcorn. Definitely. What was that? Nineteen ninety-one. Yeah. Ninety-one. Yeah. Next movie on the list. Yeah. So next one's Trick or Treat. Uh, I, I mean, a, a lot of people have seen this one. This is the most mainstream one, I think. Uh, it wasn't mainstream when it came out. I think it got a pretty limited release, but. Um, it's a anthology movie, just kind of several different stories happening and intermingling, uh, and one Halloween night. I think this is maybe the most perfect Halloween movie ever. Um, just as far as exuding that, uh, ethos of Halloween, uh, and all these, these atmospheric things happening. Um, and then you have this little guy who is kind of acts as his name is Sam and he kind of acts as this omniscient it's kind of town watcher who makes sure that you're abiding by the Halloween rules. Like, you know, along the lines of like, Oh, someone's going to egg your house. If you, you know, don't hand out candy, but he's like an extreme version of that. Like he, like you need to be into the Halloween spirit. Otherwise you're going, you're going to suffer. Uh, and it's just so cool. I, I don't know. Have you guys seen this movie trick or treat? Which, uh, now which trick or treat nope. are we talking about? Are we talking about the eighties or the, or the, 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 the Oh no, not trick. Not, not that one. No, the one from 2007, the one... Um, okay, I was going to say, not the one with Gene Simmons, direct. right? So, no, not okay. that. That one's like trick or tr- Tricks or Treats, or, I think, that one you were talking about? Yeah, there's so... Like, Trick or Treat, it's one of those things you have to get the you have to get the, the date right on it to make sure you're watching the right movie. 
Yeah, yeah. This one is 2007. The director is Michael Dougherty, um, and it's got a you know it's got some known names in it. Uh, Anna Paquin, she's like the first build in it, and then uh, Brian Cox, Dylan Baker. Some you'd recognize some of the faces in this movie for sure. Um, but it's a fun movie. Uh, no one's seen this one. No, I haven't seen it. Oh wow! It's a, no, so actually the guy who did Trumpus. The guy who did Krampus directed this movie and the the Godzilla uh, King of the Monsters. He also did this movie too. But this was his first film. Ethan, you know how to pick them. You know that like you're gonna you're gonna pick some nice obscure stuff and you're gonna educate us and you're gonna you're gonna tell us. <laughs> I thought what we've for been sure missing. someone. Had, <laughs> I thought for sure someone had seen <laughs> Trick or Treat. Uh, I didn't write a lot of notes on it because I thought there'd be more <laughs> more conversation. But uh, yeah, this was a this one's a pretty. Uh, this one for sure has a cult following. Um, yeah, this was a hit. This was a, this was yeah. a, this was a pretty moderate hit. So, yeah, for especially only I mean it's only not even fifteen years old. It's this one's got a really big following already. Well, I know the director has gone off to other things. Like I said, uh, like you said, Michael yeah. Dougherty. He's he's he is someone to watch. He's got a good visual style. Yeah, Krampus is definitely more known, I think, just because of the Christmassy thing. But uh, this is this one I think is his best movie. So, best. Real, so you have one more you said you want to touch on real quick. Yeah, one more just real quick. It's called Vicious Fun. It just came out. Uh, I don't want to give anything away about this one other than the fact that it's a movie about a uh, a support group for slashers. So, like you know, Jason Voorhees, uh, you know, Mike Myers type of stuff. Uh, not Mike Myers, Michael Myers, and uh, <laughs> who knows, maybe Mike Myers, but. Uh, yeah, so, uh, and they all meet, and then this one guy kind of stumbles his way in there inadvertently on accident, and uh, now he has to pretend like he is a serial killer. And uh, it's just kind of his, it, and it takes place in the 80s, too. And um, it's a, it's probably one of the best 80s homages I've seen, if not my favorite. I think it's, I'd rather watch this than Stranger Things any day. Um, I think it's just such a authentic uh, love letter to that era. Um, without, you know, utilizing the, oh, here they have, you know, Pepsi free or, or whatever, new coat. Like, it's not that kind of stuff. It's just you feel like you're in the 80s when you're watching this movie, and it's just so cool. It's and the protagonist overt. is awesome. Hmm? And it's not overt. It's not like you're in the 80s. Here's a hit song that was on the radio. You know, here's no, yeah, it's none of that. Yeah, and I don't know if that was a budgetary thing, but uh, but it works. I mean, it, and it's it's schlocky. I mean, it's all. I actually I actually did an interview with the directors, the director and the producer of this movie, and I asked them how much of it was um, special effects. I mean, a uh, CG versus practical effects, and they said there's one shot that they used computers because they couldn't get it properly, but everything else was practical effects. Um, it's, and it's and it definitely shows through. Uh, yeah, I highly recommend this movie. Well, it's on Shutter, right? So it's easy to find. Yeah. Shutter. Yeah, yeah. If you got Shutter, you do. You, none of you guys seen this one? No, never even heard of it. Huh. No, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Are you, are you surprised, Definitely Ethan? Didn't. Are you surprised at this point? No, I thought I did at least one. <laughs> so I thought at least one of these would hit. Somebody had seen other. I guess you saw Haunted, Haunted Honeymoon, but yeah, but years ago, I don't like yeah, I said. That, that, I think the last time I saw Haunted Honeymoon, I don't think you were born. So that's how Probably old that's how not, yeah. old I yeah. am and how young you these are. are great five yeah, these are these are five really really fun movies. I, I think if you want to get in the spirit of Halloween and 
and and none of them are really super if you're not into just like scary 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 stuff i think the only one that's really has um like nightmarish scary elements is either trick-or-treat and some moments of the cat and the canary but uh maybe a little bit popcorn too i guess but they're not like you know they're not stereotypical uh horror movies by any means i Look, think so. honestly i'm just really glad you didn't recommend hocus pocus so thank you for oh that. no Thank you for that. No Hocus Pocus. I, I'm not a Hocus guy. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we're Hocus Pocus people. So, no, actually, it's actually a good list. It's very diverse. It, it spans almost a whole century. So not too many yeah. lists can say that. I tried. I tried. No, you tried. You did You did good. You you, you A for effort. <laughs> D, cool. D for relevance. But we could work on that. D for... <laughs> D, no, but, you know, the, that's why we have these lists, to recommend things you haven't seen. You don't want to recommend something someone's already seen a million times. Like so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just no. But I will say, let's let's move on to the next spooky list. Thank you very much, Ethan, for that list of um, yeah. obscura. Let's call it like that. So, Corey, you haven't heard you because you're the odd man out here. So, Corey, you had some films you wanted to recommend. So, Corey, what are your spooky recommendations? Uh, the first one I work- want to recommend. I'm talking about stuff that will actually probably frighten you a little bit. Um, <laughs> have any of you seen The Babadook? No, no, yes. I do want to. See Haven't it. seen it yet, but I want to see it. So really, really high quality film. Saw it in theaters a while back. Um, it is spooky as hell. Basically about a a woman who was once married. Her husband dies in some kind of accident. She is left as a single mother. Um, and when her child finds a book about the Babadook, which is this horrifying Victorian creature with giant claws, um, she discovers it showing up in her daily life, like uh at school, on TV, uh, when she tries to report being stalked at the police station, just that kind of thing. Um, the way that it infiltrates every aspect of this woman's life is really horrifying. It's a great film. So, Christian, you've seen it. You said you've seen it? Uh, yes, I have. I think it's an Australian film, I think. It is, like, yeah. so I saw it a long time ago, yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. It sounds like a better version of Slender Man. I think it has a lot in common with that, yeah, Absolutely. So, what is next on your spooky list? Uh, the other one I'm going to throw out there is The Bay. Has anybody seen The Bay? Is that a shark no. movie? The Bay, no. It's not about a shark. So, The Bay is about a – it's a found footage film. And I'm going to admit that I'm a really big fan of these. I think that's uh, it's a really great genre. I think there's a lot of great found footage films that work really well as, a horror, as horror films. Uh, the Bay is about a small town in my area, actually, near Baltimore – where uh, the Chesapeake Bay is infested with horrible parasites that turns people into zombies. It is a series of little found footage vignettes about people in this area that you know ingest the water, ingest the parasites, and what happens to them. Real That's cool. Quick. Have you have you seen uh, Cannibal Holocaust? It's very similar, very similar concept. Yes. <laughs> what year? Cool. What year is the Bay? The Bay, I want to say, is 2014. Let me check. The Bay film. 2012, sorry. 2012. 2012. Yeah, available now. Prime Video Premium. Interesting. Yeah, Barry Levinson actually. Barry Levinson. That movie. That's why I wanted to look it up because yeah. the great Barry Levinson made this film. That's yeah, interesting. This is a, yeah, that's cool. This is a fantastic movie. I mean, I, again, I saw it in theaters, and I go to see a lot of horror films in theaters. I was a really big fan of uh, the film festival circuit back when that existed. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw The Bay as part of a festival. saw um, The Oregonian as part of a festival, another great kind of – not quite found footage, very surreal sort of film. Yeah. So yeah. 
quick question, Corey. I know uh, going back to your video game roots, uh, we talked about horror. Mm-hmm. How much of um, games like Five Nights at Freddy's and mm-hmm. others that you know the the basically the participation ones where people watch get spooked out? Right. How much of that whole phenomenon? Because it is a phenomenon. I think I think that's what helped invent streaming as a thing. Uh, how much of that is owed to like found footage movies? Um, you know, it's very difficult to say. I would definitely say that uh, the sense of camaraderie that comes along with uh, watching somebody else be afraid of the same thing that you are probably helps quite a bit. And being terrified, right? Or, you know, or having someone to squeeze. But that's a, that's a different thing from found footage, though. Found footage is, you know, you are observing something and the people on screen are afraid, but that already happened. When you're watching a stream, it's like, yeah, they are watching at the same time that you are and they are being afraid at the same time you are. Um, so it's difficult to say. I would put forth that there are definitely some games that kind of lean into streaming culture and are scary. Um, I mentioned Inscription at one point in our previous podcast that uh, that owes a lot to streaming culture. Probably worth a look if you like horror games. Okay. Uh, so as far as that, as far as After the Bay, though, do you have any other like uh, honorable mentions? Uh, my honorable mention, if you are into like super gory films, stuff that you wouldn't normally get to see, maybe you go to a horror festival, maybe you see it there, uh, Thanatomorphose, which is about a lady in Canada who accidentally sticks herself on a nail and contracts a zombie plague. And you get to see like the full effects of this over the course of several hours. Um, it's horrifying. Like that one, that with horror films... Movies that stuck with me are the ones that I like to talk about. And Thetanomorphose definitely, like, I could still recall scenes from that film. So, yeah, if you like that kind of thing, very much worth seeing. And what, I'm gonna... what year is that one? Thetanomorphose was, I want to say, probably 2012 again. Let me see. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not as well-versed in, uh, in like, re- recent, mo- like, modern horror movies. But yeah, um, I definitely am trying to get into them. Yeah, that one is 2012 again. And I'm, I'm going to okay. do the audience a solid by spelling that because that is – a tricky one to spell. That, that is a T H. Yeah, I was trying to. Yeah. That is T H A N A T O M O R P H O S E. Probably available <laughs> on some kind of streaming service of your choice. Probably. Uh, no, it's not. Um. Well, good luck finding it. Well, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, finding it is half the battle. So, with a name like that. Boy, it is something else. By the way. It is something else. Uh, Thanatomorphos. It sounds cool, though. You have to look it up. Um, it is. It is something else. You gotta, yeah. Bring the kids. So is that yep. it? Is that is that your is that your nice, tight, compact list or anything else? Yeah, those are those are probably the biggest ones that I have right now. I'm trying to think of anything else that really blew me away. Um, there's some short films that I've seen. Great choice is one of those. Great choice is uh, basically a woman gets stuck in a Red Lobster commercial. Nice. A woman gets stuck in a malicious Red Lobster commercial. I'm in. Yeah, I, and I was too, but it took some work to find a copy of it. I actually own a VHS yeah. with a copy of this short film. I could find it nowhere else. On VHS? VHS. VHS. <laughs> Had to find a VHS player, yeah. by the way. That was fun. By the way, uh, not to be confused yeah. with the horror anthology VHS, which I believe which... has a new, ver- a new uh, chapter out this year. Does it really? Because I definitely saw all of those previous. Yeah, ninety four. Is it called ninety okay. four? Yeah, VHS ninety four. Yeah, yeah, it just came out. Fascinating. Did it really? Yeah. 
like last week. Yeah, I like think. I think like oh, well, this past month. Yeah, on well, Shutter. Yeah, Boy, week. that that sure is a new VH. Wow, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've learned some today. This is delightful. That's the purpose of the podcast speaking, to learn new things. And speaking of VHS, speaking of VHS, Andre Blay, who is a huge figure in uh, actually, he was the first guy to get uh, movies like uh, to license uh, studio films for resale. He was an executive producer on the Blob remake. Really? Really? Yeah, I forgot to mention that. I just I forgot it until we just were talking about VHS. But yeah, he was the first dude to license. Like, you watch I, if you watch any VHS documentary, um, they talk about Andre Blay. He's a big figure. Yeah. You know, Hollywood is filled with unsung heroes. <laughs> but uh, but no, that's fantastic. I yeah. So see, Corey, even you learn something. We all take a little something with us. But if you, <laughs> if your list is all concluded, then I think we have uh, the penultimate list from our none other than Mr. Christian. Christian, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Cool. So, um, you know, I mean, Nate, I, I'm always, I, I tend to like movies that are a bit nastier and a bit more graphic, like violent and graphic. So I think my list kind of <laughs> mostly shows that. Uh, so the, I've got four films here that I think are – are worth uh, watching if you're you know, big on Halloween films. So the first one is uh, I've got the 2013 Evil Dead remake. I've got uh, 1979's Alien, uh, 2002's Dog Soldiers, and 2005's The Descent. Those are those are my f- four films that, are, that I'm going to talk about today. Wow, those it's just like Ethan's. I've never heard of any of those. Have you? What? <laughs> so. <laughs> See, Ethan, this is how you make a populist list. You find popular stuff that people already like, and you reinforce it. No. I think two of those are the same director, yeah? That's right, yeah, Dog Soldiers and... And the Descent? Descent The The Descent, yeah. Yeah, 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 Neil Marshall. Both both great, by the way. Both really good. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so you want me to start... I'll just start going down the list, eh? Yeah. So I'm going to go with the first one that's time-conscious, so I'll go with the one that I think... um, is not one on my list here, and it's the Evil Dead remakes. I know we've talked about remakes before, but this one, uh, I was shocked at how full on it was when I saw it at the cinemas. Because you know, like if you've seen the original Evil Deads, there's like a fun element to them to a degree, and you know, it's you know Sam Raimi. It's you, you know, if you haven't seen Evil, the original Evil Dead trilogy, go watch them. You know, they, there's they stand out amongst all horror films, but the remake is just terrifying. It's the one, I think it's one of the most hardcore like visually brutal horror movies i think i've ever seen and i walked out of that cinema shocked, absolutely shocked because it's not what i was expecting um so it's not it's not this one's not for the faint of heart so i don't you know this isn't a good one for, to go on a movie date uh so yeah so it lacks the fun element of the original and it's just going for, for pure terror uh I, I mean i enjoyed it because uh oh, i should probably let finish the story so essentially it's the same it's, it's similar in the sense that you've got a group of friends they go out into you know the into the woods and they stay at a cabin uh the story is one of the girls in the group is a heroin addict and so they're trying to like help her you know uh, go through withdrawal like get her off drugs and you know take away from society so she can go through withdrawal and then they encounter the you know the evil book in the basement and then you know it all just kind of goes downhill from there in the sense of like the Evil Dead stories where you know the evil unleashed from the book just you know possesses a person and starts taking them out one by one. That's that's essentially the the Evil Dead remake. And uh, yeah, I I mean I, I enjoyed it because because like you know because I enjoy watching like a lot of like I guess hardcore stuff. I'm, it doesn't take much to shock me. This film I you know I, I've always remembered it because it was just 
so visually, you know, visually impressive. I'm pretty sure most, I remember reading most of the effects, while some of them might seem like they're CGI, they're not. A lot of it is practical. I'm pretty sure nearly all of it is practical effects. If there's CGI in there, it's very, very mineral, uh, mineral, <laughs> uh, minimal. You know, and it's just got some really, like, shocking, like, scenes that just, it's one of those movies that's going to make you, you're going to squirm in your seat, you know? Like, there's some scenes like, you know, there's a, and, and they're different to a lot of other horror movies. There's one where, like, the, the character, she just turns on boiling water and, and you see, like, her skin blister from the, from the boiling water in the shower, you know, and, and you see it unfold, like, on camera. There's just, like a, like, a crazy scene, like, involving a nail gun. You know, you have limbs being cut off or shot off. Uh, there's, a, like, a really full-on scene, like, with a box cutter knife being used on someone's tongue, and you just see it all. It's just, it's just so so brutal and, and in, in your face but still telling like a like you know the, the performances are fantastic as well and of course there's you do have a chainsaw scene at the at the very end and for me it's just one of the most visceral most like, like i don't think many movies make me cringe in my seat like when i see like the pain being inflicted on the characters and so yeah if you're if you're like looking for something that's shocking then i, I really recommend uh the evil dead remake 2013 it's just um no, it's just quite full-on did you uh hmm. have you seen the film ethan the remake? I have I have not seen the remake. No, I have seen uh, Fede Alvarez's uh, other movie, Don't Breathe, and I think I watched it recently, actually, for the first time. And you liked it? Maybe one of the best. Yeah, one of the best horror movies I've I've seen in like recent horror, modern horror movies, and then the sequel I liked it too. But yeah, the the just the first one. I mean, I can imagine. Uh, it, it, it's not like a, you know, it's not supernatural like Eve, like Evil Dead would be, but um, it's pretty effed up in some parts. Uh, which I'm assuming, if he, you took you gave him the premise of the Evil Dead, he's gonna make even he's gonna heighten that even more. So, I mean, the original one's pretty effed up as it is. I mean, I think it's maybe one of the scariest uh, '80s horror movies. The uh... Corey, are you a fan of Bruce Campbell? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this well, is my boomstick. Well, that's too bad because nice. he's not really in the remake, except Ooh. except for what is it at the very what, end? What right? would you say, like one second, Christian? Maybe a second? Yeah, it's one one oh, two seconds in the post credit scene. Yeah, at I, the very uh, end of the credits. I hmm. will say this: I saw this in the theater. I saw I was there opening night. I'm the, I'm one of the people that made this a huge hit. Um, that being said, uh, that being said, have you ever heard of a movie called High Tension? by that French director, Alexandra Aja. Yes. A lot of yeah, people have it. I think I've seen it. Yeah, it's basically like a, a French version of Evil Dead. It's got a lot of the same tropes. Um, he's a very good director, too. He went off to make that really cool uh, Crocodile in the House movie, uh, Alligator in the House movie, Crawl, with Barry Pepper. I think, I don't know if you guys saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've seen that, yeah. But the, and he, yeah, he just had that movie Oxygen, which is really good. He, I mean, these are great directors. Like, yeah. Both of, both these directors yeah. are great. But can I say something real quick, um, Christian? How do you? What would you recommend though to people who uh, feel that Evil Dead has become a comedy series instead? Like, like I know you said you loved it, but what do you think to those people who feel like the Evil Dead, especially like Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, like it's more like Looney Tunes? Like you said, it was raw and it made you flinch. But if you watch yeah. the old Evil Deads, it's like again, it's like a cartoon. You don't really flinch yeah. that much. Yeah, there's a little bit of um. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're they're brutal in their own way as well, and they got that horror element. But they're they're more 
they're a little silly, whereas uh, the remake is not is not silly in any capacity. Whereas like the, and and Evil Dead when it became the series, because I enjoyed the series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're, they're comedies. You know, there's a, there's an element of fun to them. Um, but but I remember reading. I think this movie, like the remake is so hard. I'm pretty sure Bruce Campbell doesn't like this. I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that he was not a fan of the serious take that they took away the fun and they made it like a proper like this is a proper R-rated terrifying film. Yeah. I'm I'm of that. Well, camp. the original was almost NC-17, wasn't the original? The uh, I can't remember. I don't know the original the, rating. The 81, I think it was. I think they almost made it. I think it was, they had to cut it so it wasn't rated X or whatever it was back then. NC-17, maybe. But well, you know, what's really funny is that um, even though the film made like a hundred million dollars on a very small budget, it was considered a box office success. It, it was still considered of a failure because it failed to ignite the franchise. And that's why you said, Christian, it had to go back to Bruce Campbell with the series. I know you've seen it, Christian, but I don't know if you guys have seen it. But Ash vs. Evil Dead, I think it was, is fantastic. Like, yeah, it's, 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 it's I very funny. It. It's incredibly funny. I think it's on Netflix. Um, but they're doing it again. They're rebooting Evil Dead again with the same premise again and making it serious again. And it's going to be called Evil Dead Rise. And it's supposed to be coming out to... Who, who's directing it? Uh, Sam Raimi announced it, even but Bruce Campbell's involved, I think, as a producer. Uh, someone named Lee Cronin. Okay. Lee Cronin, never heard. Um, mm. I I can't help you on there. So, pretty pretty new yeah, director. I was gonna say because Raimi's Raimi's kind of directing stuff again. He's doing the new Doctor Strange and yeah, he's in the Marvel. Um, he's back in the Marvel universe. So yeah, yeah, I I like Raimi. I think I think also a lot of the comedic elements from the original came from just his camera movement where he'd do like these comedic zooms, which you never like was not something in horror movies. And he's doing these like, and it's not intended to play for laughs in the original. I don't think, but it, it is just inadvertently funny. And then obviously the evil dead too, he went full. He just completely went into the comedic well, direction. Uh, but the first one, I'll say this Christian. Yeah. Um, I don't think they should have put the Bruce Campbell stinger in the movie because it feels like it a slap in the seem. face. No, it, it feels like a slap in the face because people who came there expecting Bruce Campbell get this completely unrelated Bruce Campbell, you know, groovy at the very end that has nothing to do with the film, and it's the film they wanted and not the film they got, which I don't think yeah. helped anybody. So yeah, it's really strange. It's really strange. I mean, like you know, when you see it, you go, "Oh, look, it's Bruce Campbell," but it just it doesn't suit the tone of everything you just saw before. Because it's almost he's got a bit of a cheeky smirk when he just turns around like, "Oh yeah. be like, hey, here I am." Like, okay. But what was the point of that? Other than I don't know, it did. It didn't need to be that. No, it didn't. And um, but the movie, the movie's well made. It's just it's more for people who like actual horror than who want comedy horror. I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, next on the list. Okay, next on the list is uh, Alien, the the original. Um, before they ruined it with Coven <laughs> and Prometheus and all that stuff back when it was uh, unexplained, like just an alien. So uh, for those. I haven't seen Alien. This is a Ridley Scott movie, and uh, it's a space, it's a space horror. And essentially, you've got uh, there's a merchant, like a space merchant ship. They're like a big transport, and they get a they get a distress signal from uh, some planet, and they go down to check out. They find a, an alien spacecraft, and one of the crew gets infected uh, by an alien. They bring it back to the ship, and then uh, it becomes it hatches from him, and essentially just starts killing them off one by one. That, that's essentially it in, in a nutshell. Um, I mean, and it's a little dated as well. Like, you know, when you look at like the old computers and things like that, but it's just such a great film. It's just a classic. Uh, I mean, I prefer action movies. I prefer the sequel aliens, but alien is just one of those iconic movies. that If you haven't seen it, 
you've got to see. I mean, it's it's pretty. It's just it's fantastic for like it's it's just got like fantastic space atmosphere. You know, it's mm-hmm. got great lighting. The, the sets are like real, they're not CGI sets. Um, and what makes this film so terrifying is uh, not only have you got okay, yeah, you got an alien, and uh, you know, it's got acid for blood, and it just like just meat actually eats you and whatnot. But it's more like you're in a spaceship. You're you're in space. There's no one. No one is coming to save you. You know what I mean? And then um, wait, you said it. Hold on. You gotta say. No the, way to you gotta say the line. You're in space. <laughs> oh, in, in space, no one can hear you scream. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and and then then you got the other problem. Like no one is coming to save you. But because they're on a ship, there's nowhere to go to. You can't escape. So you you have to find a way to face this thing. There's no ignoring it. Um, and it, and. You know, and it's just you've just got regular crew. No one, I don't think there's any military. There might be, you know, there's always one ex-soldier or something. I think, but I think they're just regular. They're just regular transport guys. I don't yeah. think there's anything special about them. And so you just got these regular, as far as the future space travel goes, you've got regular future space travel people dealing with a highly dangerous and violent uh, creature that they've never encountered before. And uh, and it's you know, and just like the thing, it's one of those things where you don't. And it's very similar actually in, in the thing where like you know, in the thing they're in Antarctica. And they can't get away. And then the last thing you want is for this creature to reach civilization. It's the same thing here. You've got this creature. Uh, you're far away from civilization, but it's also something that you don't want it to survive on your ship and get to civilization because of the havoc it's just going to, uh, you know, uh, do on society. It's just a, it's just a great classic horror film. Yeah. Well, and it's also, it also uh, helped establish uh, an entire genre and trope in Hollywood. Specifically with Sigourney Weaver, of course that was that would be done better in, like you said, the sequel by James Cameron, Aliens. But she is she's the badass by the end. She's the one who survives, and she's the one who helps. Well, we f- we feel kill the alien. So, but let mm-hmm. me ask you a question: What if the aliens actually misunderstood? Because there's the scene in there. It looks like he's giving giving the guy a hug, like he just wants a hug. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? The one like, give me a hug, yeah. help me, I'm lost, mm-hmm. I'm just misunderstood. Mm. See, makes you think. Sure. I don't, I don't, yeah. yeah, and I just love it because it's a guy in a suit, you know, um, just like Aliens as well. It's all it's all practical effects, obviously, and like Alien Three where they made him CGI. Um, but you know, Alien is just I don't know. Once again, it's one of those things where okay, if the computers, the technology doesn't hold up because we have better obviously computers today. But if you ignore the the technology you see on screen, I think it it holds up as far as like you know just the story unfolding and. You know, and you, you just like I say it's not it's not teeny bopper high school kids trying to face off this monster. You know, it's got like you just got normal people, and uh, you know, it's just got it does have this horror. Element. I mean, you know, what what can we encounter? You know, out in space. I mean, what we what we do. I mean, these aren't you know they're not all scientists who are going to know how to deal you know with you know with regard to quarantine. And I don't know. I just think I just think it's a great setup. It's a great premise that ultimately got ruined with too many sequels. But um, no, it's, it's awesome. I, I, I dig Alien. You um. That last scene in the spaceship, by the way, is one of the most stressful things I, th- I can I think of in horror movies. Uh, mm. Just when she's trying to figure out how to, you know, dismiss him from the craft. Oh man, it's every time I watch that scene, I'm like, I know what's going to happen, but it's just so stressful. Yeah, it's tense and, so and the great. flickering lights and her breathing. It's just oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. The atmosphere is uh, is fantastic. The atmosphere makes this film. Yeah. I have. Uh, it's ahead of its time, I think. Yeah. It's ahead of its time, and um, you mentioned CG and modern technology, but Ridley Scott has been able to go back, and he's been able to make his sequels, and they have not been very good. So even even with the effects, uh, I think I think we all agree that mm-hmm. even the the man in suit, you know, even if it looks silly, 
it looks better, I think, than the CG versions that came afterwards. Yeah. I, and he I, ruined the story because he tried to explain it. Like a lot of what I love about like sort of older films yeah. is they don't try to explain it. Like you just don't know where did it come from. Whereas now everything everything needs uh, a reason for it. It's a virus or it's an experiment. Like every, you know, there's uh, everyone just explains it. And like not everything needs an origin story. Like I love the fact you have no idea where this thing comes from, but by the end of it, you now know it was made by that android. You're like, oh, that's lame. So. What about um? Well, you know, we saw this with the Star Wars films, like with the prequels, like Han Solo or whatever. You, what was it? Was it Prometheus that did this? Where you, it's showing the origins of how the giant, you know, the space, the space. What do they call that? That character that's sitting down. Um, this, uh, you know what I'm talking about? The character, the giant, yeah. the giant alien sitting on. We know who they were. We know how they got there. And it, to me, it takes away. Like you don't need to know how that got there. It has nothing to do with aliens. It doesn't. It doesn't make the story any better or more authentic. Because yeah. that's what mm-hmm. part of the fear—the fear of the unknown, where they come from. And once they start explaining things, you oh, okay, well that's not scary anymore. You just explained it. Well, right. I got I got an input from our video game guy real quick. Because Corey, I know you can answer this question real quick for all of us listening. Uh, you have you seen Alien, Aliens, or any of the Aliens things? So I saw Alien. I saw Aliens, and the person I was watching with was uh, she looked up the beginning of Alien 3 and said, we cannot keep going with this because I saw what happened at the start of Alien 3. Like, nah, it's not possible. You mean kill, killing off, like, half the half the, the, yes. the survivors? <laughs> Spoiler. Exactly. Um, so you and I talk about video games frequently on this podcast, and, and Christian mm-hmm. and Ethan, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the mythos of a game I'm going to ask Corey to describe, but um, how much of an impact has Alien the Alien franchise had on the video game series Metroid? So on Metroid, yeah, I would say the most recent one, Metroid Dread, probably owes a lot to the original Alien films because you've got this horrible creature that you cannot defeat. You have to spend your time hiding from it, you know, sneaking about, crawling through vents and so on and so forth. But if we're going to talk about Alien and Aliens with regards to video games, um, it's easiest to just go ahead and discuss Alien Isolation, which was the Alien-focused video game from a few years back. Now, to be fair, there's a new Aliens game that just came out that I'm not sure if it's any good or not, but it doesn't yeah, seem connected is, uh, to the film. Firestorm? That is Aliens Fireteam Elite, Fire I what it's called. Yeah, but nothing to do with the, ga- the movies. No, I don't think it has a lot to do with the movies. Um, You play as a, as a colonial marine, you battle the aliens, obviously. Like, the first two films are not about battling the aliens outside of a very uh, visceral sort of catharsis segment at the very end of the second movie. Well, like in regards to the like the movies that Christian likes, like specifically Alien, uh, you know, you do have a female protagonist, and you do have a character called you know Ridley as opposed to Ripley. You right. Know? So, do you think do you think uh, one owes to the other as far as like influence? I mean, certainly the the movies have influenced the games, but do you think there's been any any splashback on that? Um, I think to some degree, we've definitely seen a lot of games in general come out lately that really focus more on hiding from or avoiding the monster than fighting back. Um, we had a period about maybe 20, I don't know, damn, 27, uh, 2007, 2008, where fighting back against the monster in horror games was kind of the thing. Like, you know, you didn't like feeling helpless. But then we realized that, yeah, when you have a big-ass gun with a ton of ammo, um, that usually means you're not quite as afraid. So we had the second, day, the second coming of horror games from, about 20, uh, from 2010 or so, like Amnesia, The Dark Descent, where you mostly hid from the monster. Like, you had no means of fighting back, and it was meant to scare you. And now, finally, we're reverting to, like, a combination of both, where um, I reviewed In Sound Mind this actual weekend, in fact, um, which is a game where you do have weapons, 
and you can fight back, but at the same time, you're also solving puzzles, you're like investing the monster, you're learning more about it. And much like a much like an aliens, like learning more about the monster makes them actually a little bit scarier. Like you are discovering things about the creature that you didn't know. And uh about how you yourself maybe aren't ready to deal with this creature. And things like that. I, I think we're looking for like kind of a balance mm-hmm. between the two, really. But I think in I think in aliens, uh, Alien Christian, I don't think there is anything else to the monster, is there? Really? It's just a... Not know, in the original. Yeah. yeah, definitely not in the original. But in the, in the second one, yeah, there's a little bit more. There's a, a tiny bit more like, oh, it's got a... It's you a know, mother. We learn about its repro- yeah, we learn about its reproductive cycle. Like, it is a mother. It creates children. And the first one, yeah, obviously. Oh, no, we've picked up this alien. What the hell is it doing? <laughs> oh, it's killing everybody. Whoops, got to shoot it out an airlock. Huh? Uh, that's a spoiler, by the way. Sorry. Uh-oh, spoiled a 40-year-old I'm a, movie. I'm a, <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys the actual important thing about the first Alien film, which is when I watched it initially, uh, Pizza Hut had a promotion going where they would deliver you four mini-sized pizzas. And it was amazing. And that's what I remember about Alien, mostly. The pizza? The pizza? The pizza was really good. See, this is, this is, that's what matters, though. Like, Yeah, we, absolutely. <laughs> they, they don't have it anymore, obviously, but it was pretty good. <laughs> well, um... You know, Christian, quick question for you about Alien before we move on. Um, I think everybody here likes the film a lot. Um, opinions vary if it's better or worse than the second movie. I don't think it, I don't think anybody dislikes the second film. Uh, but we talked a lot about cult movies. Does Aliens work better as a, a movie a movie you watch with friends, or is it just as effective solo? Do you think? You said Alien. Are we talking Alien or Alien? Oh, Alien. Now? I'm sorry. The just oh, the, the singular. The singular. Yeah, there is a difference. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there um, is. Yeah, uh, you know it can be both. I mean, uh, I mean, I I personally like to watch movies with other people anyway. You know, I'm, I'm not really a big fan of watching them by myself. So I think it's definitely one of those ones where you just you know kick back and you know it's, it's more enjoyable with others. But yeah, you can totally like watch it on your own if you really want to be spooked out, turn the lights out, and just you know, be on your own. But yeah, I, I think it, it doesn't really matter. I think it can go either way. You know. um, the, my only thought is the the one of the men who wrote Alien uh, helped direct one of my movies that, that we'll talk about when I get to my list, but. Great choice. I think everybody likes Alien and Aliens. Uh, I think it, it's diminishing mm-hmm. returns from that point. So, what is next on your list? Okay, so I'm going to make a very bold statement here, and I'm sure there are going to be plenty, plenty of people who disagree with me, but I'm going to talk about Dog Soldiers, and I'm going to say Dog Soldiers is the best werewolf movie ever made. Ever. That's, that's my call. Mm. Better, than um, teen, better than Teen Wolf. It's pretty bold. Uh, it's got to no, be better it's... than Teen Wolf. Yeah, it is. It's hands down. Like uh, I remember, I was just I was with my with my wife, which wasn't my wife back then, but I was with my wife, and we were just wandering around the cinema. We didn't even uh, didn't even know it existed, and I just saw it up on screen. Go, Dog Soldiers. What is this? Oh, let's go watch it. You know, on a whim. And uh, it's low budget. It's, it's not like a you know, it didn't have. You can tell they didn't have a lot of money with it, but it's guys in suits. Uh, I think it's shot on sixteen mil. Anyway. Um, but essentially, what the story is, it's in you're in the Scottish wilderness. You've got a group of soldiers who are on a training exercise, and um, they encounter like the other team they're supposed to be playing with, and they find them all slaughtered. And they realize, oh my god, we're we're up against something dangerous. Like we found some, you know, this became a, a live action scenario now. And then essentially, they encounter a pack of werewolves, and all they have to do is survive one night in this cottage in the Scottish wilderness. And and that's mm-hmm. the entire premise. And they just get picked off one at a time and just get meat axed and uh i just love it because once again it's one of those scenarios where 
you know, you, you don't have like a tourist or like a high school kid beating the, the monster. You've got trained soldiers and they just get annihilated. This movie is unforgiving and um, it's just very raw and it's just mm-hmm. guys in suits and it just holds up and you just got great performances. Uh, I think I think the big and it's just like a bunch of actors who I think the only name I recognized at the time was Sean Pertwee, uh, who's who's in it. And then um, I think Kevin McKidd's done like some more and Liam, Liam Cunningham. I think the only names I, I recognized when I saw it. But uh, it's just it's just a great movie of soldiers trying to to pivot on their situation, trying to survive using all the tools around them. They're running out of ammunition. You know, uh, they're trying to hold up and make their last stand. And it's just yeah, it's the best werewolf movie ever made. It's pretty good. It's uh, it's very very effective. Have you ever seen it, Ethan? Have you seen Dog Soldiers? No, no. I just, you sold me on it though. Yeah, it's it's worth seeing. Uh, hey, Christian, have you ever seen the movie What We Do in the Shadows, the comedy yeah. one? Yeah, yeah, and, and the series. Yeah. yeah, oh, the series is awesome. By the way, if you haven't watched it, I think the series is the funniest show on TV. Um, but the werewolves in that show remind me of the werewolves in Dog Soldiers, like the way they look, like that tall, like lanky. You know, mm. they're threatening, but they're also, they look like what werewolves would look like. Yeah. But I don't know what else to say without spoiling it. Yeah, you want to say... It's you know, hard it's, to I, do a werewolf movie. Yeah. I think. And it's not, I wouldn't say it's not scary, though. Like, it's, so for example, if you're looking, like, for example, I think, uh, like, for example, I said, Evil Dead's going to make you cringe in your seat. And Alien, if you got the, like, the lights out, you know, you might get some jumps out of you, might spook you. Dog Soldiers isn't that type of horror film. It's, um... It's more in the vein of like Aliens, where you know it's more sort sort of actiony, but not. Um, but it's it's just yeah, it's mm. a great werewolf film. It's a great creature film. Um, without going too much into the cool. weeds with Corey, uh, going back to the video game thing, uh, one of the most popular subgenres of games has been the firefight games, where you basically you survive waves and waves and waves. And I don't know, Corey, have you seen Dog Soldiers? I have not seen Dog Soldiers. No, I've actually not heard of it. But man, if uh, I mean again, that's selling me. Like I definitely want to see it now. No, it's it's pretty brutal. Um, but no, it's basically it's. I, I've read somewhere that Dog Soldiers was an inspiration for like an entire genre of that, where it's like you said, Christian. It's more really? about survival. Yeah, it's more about you know these guys have to stay in this house, and it's it's brutal. But it's not like you said, scary, scary. I'm like, oh, I'm scared, but it's 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 very vicious. Yeah, and it's just them just you know utilizing whatever like whatever they have because they do they they run out of ammunition. What what do you have available to you? And mm-hmm. it's just these guys fighting fighting to their last breath it's just uh it's, it's great it's just got a lot of energy and um yeah it's, it's my favorite it's one of my all-time favorite um i like to say it's not really a horror movie it is horror but it's like my all-time favorite sort of horror action movie and like i say it's because i don't really rate werewolf movies in general they always ruin them they're always crap and uh i don't i really don't like vampire movies you know i don't really rate i don't think vampire movies are or spooky horror but werewolves i love the idea of like well creatures and so many movies just don't do it right but this film hands down it's the best one ever made I we just have to say uh, when most people talk about werewolves, they talk about you know American Werewolf in London, which is a lot more like The Blob and Evil Dead that it's horror comedy. But mm. but no, this is mm. this is definitely a different type of werewolf. Um, totally recommended. Yeah, Christian, you're on the ball. I'm glad I'm glad you I'm, we talked about this. I'm glad you mentioned this movie because I don't think it gets enough play. I think Dog, Dog Soldiers is pretty fantastic. Uh, but cool. we got one more film from you, and what is it? Yeah, the last one is a. Uh... 2005 film called uh the descent it's the same director from um from dog soldiers it's about a group of uh a group of women they're all friends uh and they go caving 
uh, at, and unbeknownst to everyone else, it's a cave that's never been explored before, a, a, ton, uh, a cave system that's never, well, sort of, yeah. To them, you know, to them, it's never been discovered before. And, um, and essentially, they get trapped in the cave, and eventually they encounter some creatures. <laughs> so, like I say, it's, it's, the, it's the same uh, same director and writer. Uh, what was awesome about this film is because he, he didn't want to be typecast as this horror, like horror director. He didn't initially didn't really want to do it. And it was originally a mix of uh, male and female uh, protagonist, but then he made them all female. I think there's only a couple. There's only a couple of male characters who have very, very small roles. So it's just an all-female cast. Yeah, and what, what makes this one really work too? Once again, it's not you know they're not tourists, they're not like high school kids surviving whatever they're encountering. You've got like I think it's like seven, like how it's like six or seven, but they're all very fit. They're all experienced rock climbers and cavers, you know. And so, and is this the film where the lady gets a a plant creature stuck in her leg and they have to dig it out with the with a climbing knife? Um, no. I mean, there is a leg injury. Someone does fall, and they try to they reset a leg. Um, maybe, maybe that, that could be the sequel. I vaguely recall this scene because I, I saw a film along these lines. I recall yeah. this. Oh, well, there I'm, is a sequel. Yeah, it probably was the sequel. Yeah, the sequel's crap. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first one though, I remember seeing this in. Um, I can't. Remember, I may have seen this one on my wife by then too. But I remember seeing this movie in the cinema, and this is the first movie that I remember seeing at the cinema, where like I just felt my chest. Uh, like closing up because this is one of those few movies where the the darkness it's black like they're in a okay. case you know like a lot of movies they have nighttime it's blue light and you can still see yeah. shit and and you know or they got a torch you know why do you have a torch you can still see everything like this film black is like black darkness is darkness the only light that you have is from the torch or the little glow sticks they have and then you've got these women exploring this cave system and they're crawling through very tight holes and tunnels and spaces. And uh, it's very suffer. It's like what's more scary about this film isn't so much the creatures they encounter because the creatures don't appear until very late in the film, really. It's just the suffocating claustrophobia of these women knowing they're running out of time and the, and the breathing and the fear. It's just uh, it's just so like immersive. It's, it's, it's more the atmosphere that makes this film terrifying. And I just remember being in the cinema going, oh, man, I am just feel... Cool, my, my chest is tightening up, and there's no mon- and there's no there's no monsters yet, and then uh, and then the creatures when they appear they're they're pretty cool too, you know, and um, um, yeah it's uh yeah it's just got fantastic mood, claustrophobia, and it's got great performances from all like from from all these uh, these women. It's just a uh, yeah it's it's an awesome movie, um, completely different to the others, and uh, I, yeah it's one of my it's one of my favorite horror films as well. It's, uh, it's a British film, yeah. Yeah, it's British, yeah. Although it's it's, it's set in America, but. Yeah, they're, they're British. They're all, okay. they're all uh, European cast. Oh, okay. Actually, I, think, I, think, I think one of the characters is American. I can't remember. But yeah, but they're, they're all mostly European. It's like the thing where the lighting is, is terrifying. Like, I, I remember seeing this in a, a dark yeah. theater myself, and people were scre- like, there were some people screaming, because, not because of what they could see, but what they couldn't see. Let me ask you a question, and spoilers. So if you haven't seen the film, don't listen. Are you of the opinion that the creatures are real? Mm-hmm. Or they're not real because I think the film sets it up like they may or may not be real. What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting because I was reading up and I've seen it a few times. The first time I saw it, I just thought, "Oh, it's a monster movie." But when you go back and you like and you see the little hints in there, and I've kind of read up a little bit more on it, I'm fifty-fifty because there's there's a strong argument that the creatures aren't real. There's a very strong argument that the descent is more about her descent into madness. But she's crazy though, right? She, yeah, she, yeah, she kills crazy. her friends. Yeah, yeah that's the yeah, other I thing. Don't, yeah. I don't want to like spoil the intro for people, but yeah. there are events for her. There's an event that happens at the start, which is awesome. It's a great setup, mm-hmm. and uh, and it gives her reason to be mentally unstable, and then uh, and then being trapped in the cave. They make a real point of saying that oh, you can start to see things hallucinating, 
uh, panic, like all the things that she ends up experiencing later on, like it is a very strong case that she is actually the one killing her friends, that the creatures don't exist. However, there's a couple of little things in there that go, oh, if that were the case, then this doesn't work. So I don't know. I, I'm like... I'm like seventy percent. It is her, but thirty percent. It like probably is creatures. I don't the, think the we idea need. Of, yeah. yeah, I don't think we need yeah. to know, right? Like, I think yeah. knowing doesn't make it any better or worse. Yeah, it can be what you want to want to make of it because the 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 idea of these underground like creatures who have adapted to living in the cage cave, um, yeah, that's totally plausible as well, and that's just as terrifying. Like I say, but it's not really the creatures. I find the way that they shoot it and have them appear in the darkness because they're running out of light and all that kind of stuff. I mean, the creatures are in themselves scary as well, but it's more their location and their situation is is what gets your your heart, mm-hmm. like your chest tightening before they even appear. It's just like it's the you have to watch this movie in in, in the in darkness. It's yes, so it's it's terrifying. Yeah. Oh, and don't watch it on your phone. Watch it on a big screen. Yes, a big a, a big screen. Yeah, yeah, big screen with nice light and nice darkness. Good choices. Actually, I'm a huge fan of The Descent. Uh, huge, huge fan of The Descent. And I have a couple movies on my own, but I know we're running a little low on time, so I'll, I'll try to abbreviate them. Any one of these movies, and now, Ethan, you and I do this podcast every every couple weeks, and you and I mm-hmm. have talked about what to do, what to do, and so I apologize. Like, There's so many things that you and I could talk for hours about. <laughs> uh, one of the movies that was on my list that I had to take off the list, uh, I did want to talk about, uh, speaking of Bruce Campbell, I did want to talk about Bubba Hotep. Uh, unfortunately, mm. <laughs> it's, it's I can't just abbreviate it. I don't know if you guys have heard of Bubba Hotep. Um, I can't really go into it in super detail, but it, it's a Bruce Campbell film where Bruce Campbell plays Elvis Presley, and Elvis didn't die. He switched places with an Elvis impersonator, uh, got sent to a rest home, is old. He's got a uh, growth on his pecker. He's dying, and his roommate or his best friend at the nursing home is John F. Kennedy, who also didn't die. Uh, they died in black. And yeah, and so it's about these two men, you know, learning to live with the the their twilight years, and then um, then Egyptian mummy comes in, starts sucking the souls out of the seniors' assholes. And the craziest yeah. thing is, have you seen it? Has no, any... I, I've been. Wa- I was gonna say I've been waiting to see it for uh, when yeah. we finally get to talk about it. Well, the f- yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, the, f- <laughs> the well, the weirdest thing is, it sounds ridiculous. It sounds like a horrible, horrible, horrible bee like Sharknado, but it ends up being like this contemplative. Uh, movie on aging and very sweet in a way and and I think that's one of the reasons why mm. it's endured. It's not a great great film by any stretch but I think anybody hearing that premise expecting schlock and garbage will be shocked and surprised. So Bubba Hotep. Yeah. Um, but three movies I want to talk about it's real quick. Be, uh, Phantasm too. Oh yeah, uh, Don Corleone I think and uh, was it John? Yeah. Was it Lansdale the guy who wrote Beastmaster which I love. So, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Beastmaster. Yeah, but it's, it's also got Bruce Campbell like in prime form and if you get the movie on DVD or Blu-ray, can I tell you, watch the movie first, but then there's a commentary track, which might be the greatest thing he's ever done. It's Bruce Campbell playing Elvis Presley, watching the movie as Elvis and commenting. <laughs> oh, and, yes. And he's, and he's just like, oh, he's eating, he's eating popcorn. He's drinking drinks. <laughs> like, oh, look at that fellow right there. Oh, yeah, that's not me. Like, look at that belly. He's like, no, when I made pictures, there's a modern picture. And he's commenting on the whole thing, and he's completely in character, the whole thing. It's amazing. That's amazing. It's Bruce Campbell. Like I said, he's, he's really good at what he does. Um, <laughs> so the, so real quick, the first movie I want to talk about, I'll, I'll knock these out real quick because I know we're running late, is 1985's Reanimator. Uh, Reanimator is one of those Ooh, yeah. handful of films, just like Evil Dead, or should I say Evil Dead 2, just like Return of the Living Dead 2, just like a lot of these, that's really gross. It's body horror, but it's also friggin' hilarious. It's very funny. 
it's based off the H.P. Lovecraft stories. Uh, it's directed by Stuart Gordon, who would... Corey, I don't know if you're familiar with Stuart Gordon, but we wouldn't have Resident Evil without Stuart Gordon. We just wouldn't oh, have Oh, that'd it. be a shame. Like, man, that uh, that electric grid scene, man, that's the best. Yeah. No, I mean, like, have you ever seen From Beyond? From Beyond? No, I've not seen that one. Okay. Have you, anybody? Has anybody seen From Beyond? It's really hard no, to find No, I haven't people. actually seen From Beyond. No, it, I haven't. It's basically the cast of Reanimator with a bigger budget, and they go into this house, and they, he yeah. develops this machine that uses the perennial gland to see other dimensions, and it's just body horror. And again, Corey, if you've ever seen, you know, the gross blobs that the the tyrant virus turns people into, that's where it's from. Sure. It's all, it's all uh, from. I see. And so, so this man, uh, Stuart Gordon, made these horrific, really bloody really gross, disgusting, nasty horror films. And of course, he ends up working for Disney, going to make Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Um, that didn't quite work out. Uh, he still wrote it, though. The TV but, show, yeah? Yeah, it's terrifying. I'll say this, though. Reanimator is one of my favorite 80s films. Uh, it's incredibly violent. It's incredibly funny. Uh, it's, well, it's It's got a great performance from Jeffrey Combs as Herbert West. Um, and of course, the great Barbara Crampton. I don't know if you've seen her, but she's great. She's one of the very few Scream Queens that didn't really have to get naked, which is a big deal yeah. for Scream Queens. Um, but yeah, basically he's a mad scientist. He thinks he wants to invent a way to bring the dead back to life. Rival, The rival professor thinks he's crazy, which he is. Um, they do a bunch of experiments, including with Arnold Schwarzenegger's body double. It doesn't go well. You know how one thing, you know, comedy of errors. One thing leads to the next. Uh, a couple zombies come up. Uh, he cuts off the, he kills the professor, cuts off his head. Head, the body picks up the head, puts it in a box and keeps on going. And a enacts revenge, and the movie's silly. Um, Christian, did I say you? Did I hear you laugh? Did you have you seen Reanimator? Uh, a lot of the press, but no, I don't. I don't think I've seen. I mean, you know, I may have, probably, but, was it but you? I don't, doesn't ring a bell. Ethan, have you seen Reanimator? Yeah, I love. I do. I love Reanimator. It's the only movie by him that I've seen. From Beyond's been on my short list forever, and so is Dolls. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Reanimator. I haven't seen Bride or the. I think there's another <laughs> like distant, distant sequel. But uh, I heard Bride's okay. But I. I love the first one. Yeah, diminishing returns. I mean, there's only so much you can do with the premise. So, uh, Corey, yeah. have you seen Reanimator? So I've definitely seen. Uh, I've not seen Reanimator. I've definitely seen a lot of like things that reference Reanimator. I've seen the. I've read the Wikipedia article. You know, that, that's basically like seeing it, right? <laughs> that's, um, that's half the battle. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, Reanimator is one of those classics. Like, yes, you can't look at horror games or books or comics or movies or anything without like knowing what happens in Reanimator. So, in a sense, I've seen enough horror stuff that I that yeah, kind of. It's it's a lot of fun, but just be prepared that there's some parts that you would uh, now label problematic regarding like the treatment of one of the main characters. And I, I, it's not enough to make mm-hmm. me give up the film, even though it is like a. Hey, to interrupt, there was a film called Dead Girl a while back, basically oh, yeah. a Dead modern, yeah. yeah, a modern take on Reanimator, which is kind of all the problematic stuff you mentioned compressed into one film. Exactly. Whereas uh, in the in Reanimator, the main character doesn't have any like sexual overtones. He's just a mad, crazy scientist. Um, it's the bad yeah. guy who does. But I stress this is a movie that was made in what 1985. Um, it is a product of its time. But because of its special effects, which are truly special, they are really fun. And because of its performances, it's it's kind of timeless. And I think they've tried to repeat it. The closest they've come, they've made a musical. So, yeah, they've made a musical. I don't know what else to say. Uh, Reanimator, watch it. I don't think it's ever been remade, like seriously, which is rare. So, Reanimator. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second film actually comes from the same stock. And I mentioned, uh, Christian, that 
one of my films was written, uh, was directed by a guy who wrote Alien, and that is 1985's The Return of the Living Dead, the original. Uh, I knew it. Yep, written and directed by Dan O'Brien, uh, sorry, Dan O'Bannon. Uh, supposed to be a Toby Hooper film. Things fell apart. Dan O'Bannon wrote Life Force, which is an inferior space zombie film. I don't know if anybody's seen Life Force, but has that's any- uh, Toby Hooper, right? Uh, Toby Hooper. Um, basically, George Romero created Night of the Living Dead with the producer John Russo. They had a a split where they split. Uh, George Romero took the Dead franchise, and John Russo took the Living Dead franchise, and they both made disparate movies. Both came out in 1985. Bannon made Return of the Living Dead. George Romero made Day of the Dead, which is the superior film. But The Return of the Living Dead is a classic. Uh, has anybody seen it? This might be the oh, one you... It's my, my favorite 80s horror movie. Is it? Is this the one with the... Yeah, this or the like... blob are probably tied for the Yeah, it's very, fam- it's very famous. Is this the version where you had like that punk girl running down the, the street naked and like, yeah. her face is zombified, but the rest of her is like, still like normal? Absolutely. And she bites the homeless guy? Uh, yeah, okay, I do remember this one. Yeah, that was, uh, Linnea, that was Linnea Quigley, who's a huge, huge, huge 80s scream queen, and she gets totally oh, yeah. naked. She, they had to make a prosthetic pubic area for her to, to not show off her flaps. I'll just say that. That's the scene when she's talking about death, and she's like, oh, I, w- I wish I could die, and Med would do this. And then she just get, she just comes up and rips her clothes off, and she gives That's a strip right, teeth. Yeah. And the character <laughs> says, he's like, oh, someone get a light. She's taking off her clothes again. And she just starts giving this, because she, she's pure sexuality. Corey, the only real relation to video games this has is the guy, one of the characters, would go off to play DJ in the Street Fighter movie. And that's that's pretty much it. Hmm. As far as... Uh, wait, wait, DJ was in the Street Fighter movie? Yeah, Miguel Nunez. He played, uh, he played what they called DJ in the Street Fighter movie. Um, I see. But no, uh, long story short, so this movie purports that Night of the Living Dead was based on a true story, but instead of zombies eating everybody, the government quelled it, put the bodies in tanks, Two morons who work at late night, they accidentally hit a tank, the gas comes out, poisons them, the poison, anything it touches, it reanimates, chaos happens. This is an anti-Romero film, they do not follow the zombie rules, the zombies run, they talk, they scheme, they make phone calls, don't ask. Uh, yeah, and, and it was kind of like one of the first times where like punk rock and oh, yeah. zombies were kind of like fused together. I mean, th- I mean, obviously it was post like Misfits and stuff, oh, but I mean, I think they kind of Misfits yeah. had a song, yeah, in this film, and and it's for sure like kind of that um, that jumping off point. I think. Well, the box art lie. I love the box art with the the punk rock zombies like spray painting, but yeah. he's like he's like they're back from the grave and ready to party like that. That actually kind of happens in the movie because when the when the zombies come out of the ground, they have that punk rock song like <laughs> "It's Party Time." Yeah. yeah, but the movie's actually pretty scary in parts. Like it's really silly and it's funny and it's fun, but yeah, there's some there's some scary parts. Like when they saw the guy's head off, or they capture that one half, oh, yeah. that half rotten woman, and they strap her down and they ask her questions, and she's got like you could see like the yeah. spinal column fluid coming out of her spinal column. It's pretty gross. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and they talk to her. He's like, "Why do you eat and people?" She's t- yeah. Yeah. Do you remember what she said? Yeah, she said she said we we want their brains or uh, we want some of the brains. Yeah, she's like she's like why do we eat people? And he's like not people, brains. Like because it makes the pain yeah. of death go you know go away. That, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I learned something yeah, it's, about it's, that. It's, uh, no, the the woman who played the what, rotting what corpse, the 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 lady who played the rotting corpse, the voice. That's the voice of the mm-hmm. of the female in Hundred One Dalmatians. The one who played the the, the woman. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. in the original cartoon. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, that's cool. That's nuts. That's uh, really cool. No, but it's it's just filled with yeah, yeah. great B actors. 
I was going to say, and it just also captures that kind of futility of trying to stop this, whatever it is, you know, and, and it shows that it's like, I think more than any zombie movie, and I'm even including like the Romero verse for this, um, mm-hmm. like you feel like it's it's helpless, like, or not helpless, hopeless, uh, that you're going to stop the spread of whatever this is. And it's like everything they try, it's like, yeah, but then there's this. Yeah, but then there's this. And you're like, oh my gosh, like how are they yeah. going to stop this? You can't and then kill obviously. Them. No spoilers, but the ending is uh, pretty pretty Bleak. dark. Well, you can't shoot him in the head. You can't saw him in half. Yeah. And even if you burn him, the dust becomes more zombie juice. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's more plausible in a way. I and I will say this though. Uh, I will say this, and this is this is this is sad. I hate to say this, but I got to bring this up. I think the I think this movie has had a little trouble gaining an audience recently. It's been famous for like the last fifteen years. Because one of the actors, uh, who was it? Who's the actor in this movie? His name's Brian Peck, who's actually a voice actor. He's done video games. He's done cartoons. He's done everything. He plays the character Scuzz, who gets his oh, thing beat yeah. off. He's, he was one of the, the main producers behind the film that helped get the special effects guy. Did you hear what happened to him in real life? Yeah, well, because I watched The Willies recently, which actually yeah, reunites Clue and He directed The Willies, James I think. Karen. I think he directed it. Yeah, and he directed, that was his only directorial thing, yeah. but he worked with Nickelodeon. You know what and happened? There are some stuff. Uh, uh, I'll say yeah. it. No, I'll, he's the Pretty real. Vil- he's the real villain of the story. Uh, he worked on Nickelodeon yeah. shows as a coach, and it turns out he molested some of the Nickelodeon stars, like under underage, and did some bad things. Like a lot. Yeah, yeah a, lot. Like a lot. Quite a bit. And he got prison. He got in prison, but he was let out. And then he was friends with Brian Singer, and he somehow yeah. found his way back into Hollywood. And he was the subject of a documentary about like child molestation in Hollywood and how they, it's covered up, but. He's made documentaries about this film, and I think because of that, people feel a little uncomfortable about supporting the film because he's such a big yeah, but part he's of not, it. He's not a main character. Well, he's not like the main guy though. Like Tom Matthews and like uh, James Karen and yeah, Clu, and Clue Gallagher. But he's the only guy um, who's been in like. But all yeah, three. he's definitely he's, he's a main he is a main guy. But there, yeah, he's not like the main dude. I'd say Tom Matthews probably is the oh sure sure protagonist. Sure. And the main characters are all great, by the way. But I'll say this. Um, but I, I would caution anybody watching this, please don't associate him as being the only influence on this film. Like, this film is a lot more than just him. Um, and he's such a big inv- evangelist of this movie. Please don't let that get in the way. Please just watch the film for yourself and laugh, because it's very funny. It's also very terrifying. But it, it's more than just him. So please, 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 give the film a chance. That's all I'm saying. Ethan has, and he loves it. You love this film. Yeah, and Tom... And Tom... <laughs> Tom Matthews too is in one of my other favorites. Uh, in, the, in my opinion, the best Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, he played yeah. Tommy Jarvis in that movie. Jason Lives. By the way, um, can I tell you yeah, something? He's, he's been some great stuff. So here's a connection for you. The guy who played um, uh, Miguel Nunez, the guy who played Spider. You know, the, I'll just say it, DJ, the black guy. Yeah. He's in, I think, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, or is it Five, where he plays yeah. the guy who has to go to the bathroom because he ate too many tacos. Um, yeah. So in the, in the porta potty, right? Uh, I don't know if you. I don't want to bore you guys, but Friday the Fourteenth. Is that the one with Corey Feldman? That is. He's in the beginning of it. Um, okay. That the one with the the number four is the one where he's in it as a main character. But uh, yeah, four is the one where there. I mean, five is the one where there's no actual uh, okay. Jason Voorhees. That's where Tommy becomes spoilers. He becomes the fake Jason. Corey. Yeah, Feldman. and the and, the, and the, he's at like a mental institution or something. So or uh, for. Or troubled youth. Yeah, troubled youth. Um, it's it's kind of a comedy too, but no part four of that Friday the Thirteenth four right the one with Corey Feldman. Um, Corey Feldman's character Tommy is actually based on 
You want to take a guess? Nobody knows this. If you, Corey Feldman, the kid? Yeah. Like Corey Feldman. Remember, he, remember uh, he, he creates monsters. He creates everything. Yeah. He's based on Tom it might, Savini. It probably makes sense when you say it. Yeah, he's based on Tom Savini. Oh, Sa- no way. Oh, yeah. that's cool. In fact, so Tom Savini oh, cool. came back to do the effects. He's the one who made the effects on Friday the 14th 4. And Savini yeah. came because they based the Tommy character on him. It's awesome. It all comes around. The world of horror is yeah. very – it's a very small family, a lot of incest. I don't really have much to say about this film. Some of the effects are great because, very famously, they fired the effects man and they hired another guy to finish. And so some of the effects are unfinished. You have two different versions of Tarman. You remember Tarman, the the one who the first zombie oh, yeah. who ever said brains, and he kind of yeah. looks like a cartoon. Have you guys ever seen Tarman outside of this movie? Has anybody ever seen him? Yes, I think he's um, he shows up in another movie like cameos, doesn't he? Well, the characters become famous because he has that big bug eye. He looks like a Looney Tune. He doesn't look like a person. Yeah, but he's a Jim Henson performer who does the walk because he looks all gross and nat- yeah. like a like a giant booger. He's really gross. But no, I, I like I said, I don't really know what else to say. It's if you like horror comedy with a lot of punk rock and just unnecessary but welcome nudity, um, and you don't mind bad zombie effects. Because I'll be honest with you. This movie doesn't have the best zombies. Not, Did not... you guys ever see Barbarian Sound Studio? No. None of you? No. See, you no. got you, now. No. You got us. What's that? Barbarian Sound Studio, right? Got a guy who is uh, he's basically a foley for a sound studio. He comes in. It's a. It's basically based on an Italian giallo film. He comes in. He's meant to make the sound for this film, but they keep losing people because they can't afford to pay them. So they leave, they leave, they leave. He has to do Foley work. He has to chop like Watermelon the cleaver to make the sound. So somebody getting their their face smashed hmm. with the cleaver and so on and so forth. And it, it wears down on his brain. And the film is basically uh-huh. him like dealing with this nonsense as it starts to wear on his sanity. I'm sorry. I didn't know what the right time to cut in was. It was a great film, though. You guys should see it. Yeah, why did, yeah, sounds great. Why, you do all this knowledge about Italian giallo films, and now you wait to spring it on <laughs> at the very no, end. I, I love, I love giallo films like Suspiria, like Bavarian Sound Studio. God, it's so good. Yeah, I think, yeah. um, I think the zombie work in Return of the Living Dead is more like an Italian giallo film where it doesn't even remotely look real, like not even close. And right. Like, like Zombie 2 a little bit, almost a little, even? A little like bit. A, like a Fulci movie? That's yeah, not like, Giallo, but... Well, it's like when he bites the head, it almost sounds like he's biting an apple. Like, it doesn't oh, yeah. quite sound real. You know, it doesn't have that, that polish that the Romero films have. Um, but I don't think it needs to yeah. because it's more cartoonish. It's it's more... Tons buffoonish. of charm, though, yeah. It's got a lot of charm. The, like I said, there's a lot of background to the movie regarding the directors and everything. It... it it's very unlikable, but the movie itself has persisted. There was an inferior sequel that's not as good, but it's still charming. Then that, that's it. That's yeah. it. And there's nothing else because none of the other movies are any good. People really like the people really like three. The third uh, number three. It gets um, they get real close. Dead, they get real close to porn. Like they're really close to softcore porn by the end of it. Yeah. Well, um, well, funny enough, the guy who directed the third one also directed Bride of the Reanimator and Society, actually. Society? Wait, is that Brian Kun? Is that Brian Yunza? Whatever. Yeah. Oh, he's the guy who did the effects for um, Reanimator and uh, From Beyond. He's a producer. Oh, he's the effects guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because he yeah he directed this. Society is a great movie, by the way. If, uh-huh. if, if you if you've never seen, yeah. if no one has ever seen Society. Um, it's the grossest version of an orgy you've ever heard of. 
It's never been topped. It's disgusting. I like it though. Yeah. I like body horror films. Um, so I got I got one more film, guys, but I'll make it quick um, because we're running out of time. Creep Show. I don't know if you guys have seen Creep Show. It is the fusion of speaking of George Romero, George Romero, Stephen King, uh, Tom Savini, and Leslie Nielsen. Not making that up. Love so, it. have uh, has anybody ever seen it? Oh yeah, I've seen that in the second one too. I think I've seen segments of it. Well, it is. Yeah, Sam, I think I've seen snippets, but not. Yeah, it's not ringing a bell. Hmm? The second one's not as good, but the first one is really good. There's a show, by the way. There's a new show called on Shutter based on it. Yeah. I just keep bringing up Tom Savini, not because I interviewed him, but because he just happens to be wrapped up in a lot of my old favorite horror movies. And mm-hmm. Ethan, you and I discussed this. Uh, you and I were going to do a whole podcast about Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, and we still can. <laughs> but th- those can't just be abbreviated. Those demand a lot more attention. But I think Creepshow gives you a good snapshot. It's basically the it's basically the anthology set up for things like Tales from the Crypt and every and even like New Twilight Zone. Uh, it's directed by George Romero, written by Stephen King, starring Stephen King, by the way, in a segment where he turns into a bush. Uh, starring Stephen King. Oh, that's King. the that's my favorite segment. Really? Where he, where he finds the meteor? Yeah, I love, uh, love that one. Also starring Stephen King's son, Joe Hill, who is now a writer uh, with movies with shows on Netflix. By the way, he's got a show called I think Lock and Key. Uh, haven't watched it, haven't read oh. the book, but people like it. I don't know what else to say. Uh, long, it's it's an anthology film based on EC comics from the 50s and 60s, which I love. I don't know if you guys have ever seen them. They were the comics that were banned and caught and caused a comic yeah, like, code. Uh, Tales of Suspense and stuff. Mm-hmm. Tales from the Crypt, you know, things like that. Tales from the Crypt, yeah. And when the comic industry was uh, under censorship from the government, the people who created them uh, went off to make another magazine, which you've heard of. I know you guys have heard of, Mad Magazine. Same people, yeah. sa- same writers, same everything. You went from creepy to, to mad. I don't know what else to say. It's a special effects. The effects are really good for the most part. They're very gory. A lot of zombie effects. The stories are pretty funny. Uh, how many stories are there? Three, four? Yeah. Five. Five stories? One yeah, of the st- Adrian Barbeau makes an appearance. One of the standouts is with Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson, where yeah. uh, <laughs> Leslie Nielsen plays as basically a killer who buries his victims up to their neck and watches them drown on his closed-circuit television. It sounds crazy, but it's pretty good. It's pretty effective. Heads get made into birthday cakes. Zombies come out. There's an evil creature in a box called Fluffy who bites your head off. And there's a an epic, my favorite, probably my favorite of the bunch, where a germaphobe gets devoured by cockroaches. Oh, yeah, that's a good one, too. I do love that. Um, there was a sequel. There was a sequel that was okay. I think there was a Creepshow 3 that has nothing to do. But if you want to see the real Creepshow 3, there's another series called Tales from the Dark Side. And... Tales from the Dark Side is is Creepshow three. It's George Romero, Stephen King. It's just they don't have the name for it anymore. But that's that's the real. Well, the se- the second one was pretty. The second one was pretty cool, but it just only had like two stories. I think people what's, were like, "What's what, the one with um? What's the, the one with what's the one with Debbie Harry where she puts the kid in a cage because she's going to cook him? Do you remember that one? Oh, that's creep. That's not Creepshow, is it? And and he decides to he decides to distract her by reading her. Uh, scary stories. You know, never heard of this? <laughs> I, I don't. No, that's not Creepshow, is it? I think it's creep. I think it's Tales from the Dark Side. Let me double check real quick. Oh, okay, yeah, I haven't seen Tales from the Dark Side. Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah, the movie. She plays Betty. Yep. Yeah. Okay. She's, she's the modern day witch cool. planning a dinner party. The main dish is going to be Timmy, a young boy who is captured. No spoilers. Timmy. Timmy doesn't get eaten. But um, honorable mention if you guys haven't seen it. Another scary. Stephen King anthology from the time is Cat's Eye, 
I don't really want to get into Cat's Eye, but if you've seen Cat's Eye and you liked it, you'll like Creepshow. It's very similar. That's my picks. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I think I'm spooked out. What do you guys think? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sleeping tonight. Not sleeping? Are you scared? Do you need company? You know, any one of you three could hold me, or all of you. Oh, well, <laughs> now I'm scared. Leave the lights on all night. Now I'm scared. Nathan's uh, closest. <laughs> you know what? You guys are all going to probably meet each other at some point, and then you can all go watch horror movies. <laughs> But that's it, guys. I want to thank everybody for helping us. Uh, if you've listened the whole way through, then you've listened to two episodes of Popstar's Movie Time podcast, Halloween special, talking about horror remakes, talking about everything else. It's a lot. I want to thank my special guest, Ethan Bram, Christian Sterling, and also special guests from the video game world of things, Mr. Corey Gallagher. Corey, thank you very much. This was a big sacrifice for you. You had very important things to do. I sure did, but thank you for having me. Yep, see? That's 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 how we make it nice and neat. If you like what you hear, please like us on whatever podcast service you listen to because it's spooky time. And with that, happy Halloween, everybody, and we'll see everybody next time. Bye-bye. Subscribe to the Popstar Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app or service today. 